I'm Allie Burks, the worship leader for the local church, and you're listening to the Sunday Sermon Podcast, featuring sermons from our Sunday liturgy. The local church is a bold and inclusive new faith community in Chatham County, North Carolina, committed to being with and for one another, our community, and the world. We gather for the work of worship every Sunday morning at 930 at House of Hops in Pittsburgh, North Carolina. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you have a place at the local church, and we'd love to see you. Good morning, everybody. So last week, uh, there was no one in the front row. Glad you're here. Well, good morning. My name is Brent. I'm the pastor of the local church. This new thing that God's doing here in Chatham County, I want to welcome each and every one of you. Uh, here today in worship. Keith Bowler is here. Keith is the owner of House of Hops. Thank you for your hospitality. I think I... um, And allowing us to help make House of Hops a house of worship for an hour every week. Thanks be to God for you and, and, uh, and your family. Um, God bless you. So it's, it's great to be here with you. Um, one of the things that we started to say every week is that uh, wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you have a place here. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you have a place here. You are more than welcome. To be welcome just means that you can kind of come in and, and sit wherever, you know, but, but not really engage, not really invest in the life of the community. You're more than welcome. You belong here. Um, and your presence makes us more whole. So thanks be to God. Your presence here matters. Just by showing up every week, you are making a difference in this community and in this world. Believe it or not, it's like, um, uh, uh, there's a science word, um, osmosis? There it is. (laughs) Osmosis. Just by showing up, you are a part of what God is doing. Um, So thanks be to God for each of you. Would you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks for this day. New every morning is your love, great God of light. We give you thanks that you have gathered us here in this beautiful space to remember who you are, to remember who who we are, uh, and to remember who you are calling us to be. Grant us peace in this time. Open our hearts, our minds, our souls. Break into our imaginations that we might see you, hear you, and encounter you in new and beautiful ways. That everything we experience here today might not end when we leave this place, but might carry us through this week as we seek to love where we are, wherever we find ourselves, wherever you send us, O God. Now speak through me, in spite of me and beyond me. Let your word dwell here, O God. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So it's week three of our sermon series here at the local church. We're calling it, this is fine, a series on hope for a world on fire based on a meme from a few years ago, a cartoon that maybe you have seen. Uh, Let's show it, Jimmy, featuring a dog with a house on fire. There it is. House is burning down and he's got his cup of coffee there, National Coffee Day. And he says, this is fine, this is fine. And the joke is, of course, uh, that everything is not fine. We can totally relate. When we look at the world outside and the world within and, and we think about our station in life or the, the lumps that just keep coming or, or hard situations of people we love and, and care about, care about um, 
We find ourselves, I think, yearning for this hope, yearning for some semblance of, of hope. We're seeking something different, something new. And so in the series, what we're doing is each week, we're lifting up that thing that gives us hope, those places that Jesus shows up in our lives and in our midst. In a world on fire, where do we find hope? The first week, we talked about community. Uh, we, we heard the story of the lost sheep and the lost coin from, from Luke's retelling of the story of Jesus. And we talked about how there's nothing God desires for us more than to be connected to community. There's nothing that, that God wants for us more than to be with. We are truly home when we are with. That was week one. Last week, we talked about water. Do you remember? We talked about water. If, if something uh, uh, is physically on fire, what you actually need is water, Right? We heard the story of the woman at the well in John's gospel and considered how, how Jesus saw her and sees us and knows us and loves us fully, period, reminds us who we are, calls us to something new, and invites us to drink of the living water that restores our souls, refreshes our spirits, renews us, washes away the grime and dirt that has come to cling to us over our existence ultimately reminding us who and whose we are. That was last week. This week, we continue the series, but first, a question. Did anyone, did anyone ever have the original Nintendo Entertainment System? Anybody? Yeah? A couple of you? Good? Good? Uh, it was my very first game console. It might have been uh, for, for you too, Chris, who, who uh, uh, had one. I got mine for my fifth or sixth birthday. Uh, and I have this vivid memory playing Super Mario Brothers with my Aunt Lara. Uh, everybody has a favorite aunt or uncle. Uh, aunt Lara was my favorite. We got into all kinds of trouble together. Um, but we were playing Super Mario Brothers and, uh, in two-player mode, uh, and, and which just amounted, I think, if I remember correctly, to, to a split screen. I don't know. Um, but, but it was essentially a race through the level. I was Mario, she was Luigi. We were racing through the level to see who could complete it first. And when my Aunt Laura wasn't looking, I reached over and I paused the controller. I hit pause. Uh, and so it stopped her character from moving. Mine could keep going, collecting coins and rescuing princesses and eating the mushrooms or whatever we do with the mushrooms. Um, and, and, and Aunt Laura couldn't figure out why her character wasn't moving. And, and she looked at me for help and I just say, I don't know. I don't know. I was the worst. <laughs> but if you ever had a Nintendo, you're, uh, then you remember that legitimately, uh, sometimes the game would stop working, right? And when the game stopped working, what did you do? What do you do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You take it out, and then like, like as if you're playing a harmonica, right? You just whoosh, right, right across, stick it back in, and you're good to go. Because dirt and dust and pet hair would collect on the contacts, and, and you had to get that out. So, um, uh, and that would cause the game to freeze or shut off or restart or something. And so you had to clear the connections and begin again. Or maybe you know something about this, right? Maybe um, you've just sat down to stream your favorite show um, on Netflix or Amazon Prime or Hulu or Apple TV Plus or Disney Plus or whatever. Uh, I, I think the NBC version is Peacock that's coming out. Anyway. But imagine with me, you've settled in to stream the newest episode of your favorite show, and instead of, of seeing the opening titles and hearing the opening theme, you get an error message, unable to connect to the servers, right? 
maybe it's a bad connection, or maybe the, the bandwidth is, is full, or maybe it's something else, but um, when you call Spectrum, which is everybody's favorite thing to do, um, when you call Spectrum, what's the first thing they tell you to do? Yeah, 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 yeah. Unplug it, wait 30 seconds, which is always an awkward 30 seconds on the phone, right? It's like, so uh, how's your day? Where are you guys located? Uh, and then plug it back in, reset it. You reset it. And so this morning, as we continue our series, this is the sort of thing we're talking about. We're talking about the reset, the hope found through Sabbath. Week three is Sabbath. We're talking about the reset. And now Sabbath originates in the very beginning of the Bible, the first creation story in Genesis. Now, it's important to know that creation story is less a blueprint or it is a true historical account um, and more a poem that attempts to describe the truth, there is truth in it, attempts to describe the truth about who God is and, and our relationship with that God, right? And our connection with that God in all of creation. That's what the Genesis story, creation story, is all about. Perhaps you've heard the story. Maybe it's familiar to you. God breathes and there's order out of chaos. On the first day, God speaks and there's light and dark, day and night. And then there's land and sea, land that separates the waters. God keeps singing and there's flora and there's fauna and creatures of every kind that creep upon the earth. Aardvarks, anteaters, humpback whales, mosquitoes for some reason, God creates. And on the sixth day, God creates human beings, tells them to care for all that God has made. And then on the seventh day, what happens? God rests. God finishes God's work, and God rests. This is Sabbath, that seventh day of rest. According to Rabbi Joshua, Abraham Joshua Heschel, who, who literally wrote the book, it's called Sabbath, literally wrote the book on Sabbath. Um, the word for rest in Hebrew here is a word, um, menuha. Menuha. Can we say that together? Menuha. And now, menuha means much more than simply not doing anything, right? Ceasing from work and labor. It should not bring to mind God sort of taking in all that God had done and, and God saying, you know what, I could use a nap, right? Maybe a back rub. No, that's not, it's not what this is. It's not what this type of rest is. If you've seen uh, Parks and Rec, this is not Tom and Donna's treat yourself, right? <laughs> Instead, what is meant by rest here, what menuah means is, is closer to tranquility, to stillness, harmony, peace. It's that feeling of, of your cup running over, your, your soul brimming with connection, the peaceful inner hum of the divine. However fleeting that might be, that's menuha. It's so vital to, to who we are that God commands God's people in the Ten Commandments uh, to keep Sabbath, to make it a priority. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Observe the Sabbath. In other words, set it apart. Make it a priority. And then when you, when you read on, when you go to the, the Psalms, for instance, um, the Psalms in the Bible are the Bible's prayer book. And when you go there, when you look um, and read those and pray those, this, this stillness, this menuha, this command, this observance, this, this uh, 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 
imperative to make it a priority becomes much more pronounced in the Psalms. Maybe you know Psalm 23. It might be familiar to you. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside what kind of waters? Anybody remember? Still waters. Leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. That word still there, still waters, is a variation on the word menuha in Hebrew. And then Psalm 46, which Tracy read. I wonder, I wonder if you heard this psalm, this prayer, uh, and when you heard it, you, you didn't imagine the ancient context, but you heard about, you thought about what came to mind was our world here and now. Maybe that's what you pictured. Though the earth should change, though the mountains quake, though the waters roar and foam, the nations are in an uproar, the kingdoms totter. Does any of this sound familiar? And yet, what is the imperative from the psalmist? What is the command? As if, as if God is speaking to us, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Be still. Piece of cake, right? You got this? You got it down? Everybody good? Yeah? Thought about just for this morning setting a timer and just not talking for 15 minutes and seeing what would happen. As if the earth changes and the mountains trembling and waters rising aren't enough to sort of leave you in the fetal position. Think about all of the things also that want our attention day in and day out, right? We, uh, research suggests we see about 4,000 4, to 5,000 advertisements every day. We're exposed to that many messages telling us, selling us on things every single day. Notifications on our phone are relentless, seducing us trying to force us to see our world through six inches on a screen, right? 24-hour news networks keep us glued to salacious stories that at once can pacify us and paralyze us. They can pacify us and, and somehow breed fear at the same time. And then there's the promise of technology and innovation, right, that, that keeps us moving faster and faster. Isn't it interesting that every new innovation that promises better efficiency, and more productivity, everything that, that tells us that we can do more in half the time. What do we do with that leftover time? What do we do with that leftover time? From what I can tell, it rarely leads to stillness or Sabbath. Instead, we take the time that's left over from us being able to do what we could do in half the time. We take that time and we just fill it with more and more work or obligations or meetings, more and more and more. And we end up stressed and anxious, burnt at both ends. How could we not? With such little margin, the, the heightened state of stress can leave us irritable and overwhelmed. It can, it can leave us exhausted and volatile. It can, it can bring out our, our worst toward our neighbors, toward those we love. Anybody know anything about this or is it just me? <laughs> the only way to fix it Take out the cartridge, blowing it. The only way to fix it is to reset. This morning's gospel lesson from Matthew's account of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, we hear words of Jesus that, that offer just such an invitation to reset. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest, Jesus says. 
Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest in your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. In this passage, Jesus, who just a chapter later defines himself, describes himself as the Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus is inviting the crowds to experience freedom, inviting those who have been burdened by the stringent requirements of religion. That's the context that Jesus is speaking to, the stringent requirements of religion. Uh, Over time, majoring on the minors, those who are clinging too tightly to to the how over and against the why. That's who the invitation is for, but it's not just for them. The invitation for Sabbath is also for anyone who, who's run ragged, anyone whose hope has given way to heartache, anyone whose grief has made it difficult to, to see through the tears, to see anything beyond that that's uh, right in front of us. It's an invitation for anyone who has come to believe lies about identity and worth that, that leave you weighed down, feeling empty. Anyone who runs through the day and can't catch their breath or can't catch up, struggling to keep their head above water. Anyone yearning to break free from productivity and and stress and scarcity, the scarcity of hustle. Anyone who can feel in their bones that the way things are isn't the way that they should be. When When Jesus shows up and says, come to me, It's an invitation to disruption. An invitation to disruption. An invitation to to stand outside the seemingly never-ending cycle of busyness and chaos and experience the freedom that comes when we live and love as Jesus lived and loved. It's an invitation to take our broken hearts and wounded spirits and open ourselves up to the healing power of God in Christ, whose good news sets the oppressed free and binds up the brokenhearted, that goes to the margins and brings them in, brings joy in the morning, embraces all. It's an invitation to take our breakneck breakneck pace and and bloated calendars and exchange them for solace and stillness, menuha, perhaps, to resist the tyranny of the urgent and instead instead sit still long enough for God to break into our hearts and in our imaginations, to take us and make us new, to receive what the Apostle Paul calls the life that really is life. I love how the late Eugene Peterson, who wrote the message translation of the Bible, I love uh, in particular how, how he puts it, how he translates this passage, these words of Jesus. This is, what, um, this is how he translates it. Jesus saying, keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly when everything is on fire. Chaotic and overwhelming and fractured and disconnected, the one who created you, the one who loves you, is inviting you to reset. Because God knows it's good for you. It's the rhythm that we were made for. It's the rhythm that is embedded into our very souls, our very being. We can't live without it. In fact, we are not living without it. We're not living without it. I want to get real with you for a second. Permission to tell you the truth? <laughs> it's a funny thing for a pastor. So I used to be pretty good about Sabbath. Um, I would carve out 
one day every week where I wouldn't schedule anything. I wouldn't respond to emails. I, wouldn't, I would only pick up the phone uh, if it was an emergency. I was pretty consistent in this Sabbath practice for a few years, but confession, over the last few months, I've fallen off the wagon. It's been hard with Eliza's birth, our three-month-old, which I'm grateful for, don't get me wrong. Um, but with that and then the birth of a church, <laughs> um, there's a lot of work that goes into this each and every Sunday, this beautiful hour of holy chaos that happens every week. But this week, this week I had the chance to, to travel to Kansas City and, uh, and be with uh, a group of uh, clergy and, and lay people um, for a conference on the future of the church. And, and it was a packed 40 hours of, of worship and speakers and, and breakout sessions and all good things. And, and the, night, um, the night would come after the sessions, and, and those nights would be filled with um, barbecue and drinks and connecting with old friends that I haven't seen in forever and making new friends as well, talking and laughing into the morning hours. I spent 48 hours not doing nothing, not doing nothing, but it was still Sabbath. The worship was just what I needed to experience, to, to soak in, to remember uh, uh, who I am and experience God's presence. And the friendships reminded me of my calling, reminded me why, <laughs> why um, I do this every week, reminded me of the gift of this life. And, and over those 48 hours, I ugly cried more times than I... <laughs> prefer to admit, but, but it was Sabbath. It was the reset, the peace, the connection that my soul had been yearning for. That's what it looked like for me this week, and I wonder what it might look like for you. Whether Sabbath comes for you in two-minute increments throughout the day, or 24-hour days, or conferences halfway across the country, you can trust that God will breathe peace into your soul, will reset your priorities and your perspective, reset your heart. God will remind you that you are not God, but you are loved all the same. You'll come to know that the world will not end if that email goes unresponded to. And you'll find yourself a part of something big and beautiful and hopeful. So I wonder, how is God inviting you how is God inviting you to reset, to experience Sabbath, to live in that manuha? Amen. Hey, it's Allie again. If you love what you hear, share this episode or send it to somebody who could use some good news this week. We'd also love for you to leave us a rating and reviews on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. For more information about the local church, visit thelocalchurchpbo.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at LocalChurchPBO. Until next time, love where you are.